0: we will get to. We're just going to let the Lord help us today. Do our best to be spirit-led. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Good to have each and every one of you here today. Good to have Brother Ben. I saw Brother Ben. There he is. Love Brother Ben. Come on, let's give it up for Brother Ben. Let's just give it up for Brother Ben. It's, it's, it's interesting to me, and, and uh, this, this thought process um, has just kind of been over and over in my mind the last month or so, but it's interesting to me how many things that we do unto the Lord that in turn God allows to be used solely for the benefit of man. I'll explain. For instance, how many know that it is a bib, it's biblical to give of our tithes and offerings unto the Lord? Now we're going not gonna talk about that today, but I could. But it is it is it is biblical to, to give of our tithes and offerings totally and completely unto the Lord. Right? And so when 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 we you, know, When we give our tithes, we're not giving it to a man, we're not giving it to a building, we're not giving it to a church, right? We're giving it unto to the Lord. The Bible is very clear about that fact, that we're not to give of our tithes and offerings because we feel compelled to, or uh, you know, because of a, of, of a certain need, but we are to just give of our tithes and offerings unto the Lord. And yet... So we give of our tithes and we give of our offerings to the Lord, but it's not, Brother Tim, it's not like God has a P.O. box that on Monday morning we put all his tithes and offerings in an envelope and mail it to his P.O. box, right? So that he can receive what is his. But rather the Lord in his goodness and the Lord in his graciousness allows for the finances that are totally and completely his and his alone To then be used for the work of his kingdom. To pay for revival efforts and ministerial causes and light bills and salaries and church planting endeavors. And sending missionaries overseas and on and on and on and on. Whose money is it? It's his money. But then he allows us the benefit of those finances. And God does not mind sharing his finances so that they could be used for the church and used for the kingdom. In fact, that's the way he has established it to work in the word of the Lord. That's how it all works. Is it his money? Yes. But he allows it to be shared so his kingdom can prosper and his kingdom can move forward in the context of what we need to work. Another thing that I think would fall under this category would would be the concept of ministry. For the truth of the matter is, is that all ministry is done unto the Lord. And yet, we're not actually ministering to Him in the sense of, you know, giving God a Bible study but the bible study we are giving is unto the lord but he shares with those in whom the ministry is being done for in the accomplishment of that ministry Does that make any sense For instance, as I just said, when you teach a home Bible study to somebody, that ministry of teaching that Bible study is first and foremost not for the person. That ministry is first and foremost to the Lord. And yet God shares that which is His so that the individual being taught can come into greater knowledge of His Word. When we clean the church building, and everybody just say thank you to all the church cleaning people. When we do that, We're not doing it because it's our job. We're not doing it because we've been asked to do it necessarily. We're doing it because it is ministry unto the Lord. Yes, it it looks nice and we have, uh, you know, uh, a place to come. but, But ultimately, that is clean, but ultimately... That ministry is done unto the Lord, and yet when the building is clean, we then have a place to come and worship the Lord in, and a place where guests can come and look around and say, man, these people must think very highly of of the God that they serve and the place that they serve because of the way the building looks and, and all of these kind of things. And so we understand that it is ministry first and foremost to God, but then we benefit from that ministry. I'm not trying to belabor the point, but I, I got to kind of set this set this stage when we when we hand out bread in our communities on our on our bread runs and all that kind of stuff. That's absolutely ministry that is being carried out, but is being first and foremost carried out unto the Lord. But then He allows that ministry to be a blessing to those that we are ministering to. So here we see that God does not mind sharing the tithes and offerings that are offered to him by us. And God does not mind sharing the ministry that is done first and foremost unto him, but there is one thing God will not share. Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another. One thing God will not share. My glory I will not share with anybody. Now, stay with me. I need your minds for a bit. That word glory is is a hard word to give definition to. If somebody were to ask you to define and describe the word glory, how would you define Glory. It's a very hard definition. It, it's, it, it's very similar. It's very similar as an illustrative purpose here to, de, to describe and define glory. It's, it's like trying to define beauty. If you're, if you're just going to write a definition of beauty down, how do you, what would you write? And yet, if you see enough beautiful things and you encounter enough truly beautiful encounters, then you'll be able to come into knowledge and understanding and grasp the concept of what this word beautiful is describing. Am I right? but just to write it on a piece of paper is very hard. You would have to write of a for instance. And in order for have the for instance you would have had to have encountered that instance. Oh hallelujah. So it wasn't because of a definition that you read in a book that opened your understanding to what the word beautiful means, but rather it was the beautiful things that you have encountered for yourself that gave you true definition of the word beautiful to you personally. And it is the same dynamic when it comes to the word glory for Scripturally speaking, the glory of God is referencing the invisible qualities, characters, attributes of God. As they are displayed in a visible or a knowable way. So like our understanding of that which is beautiful, our understanding of God's glory can only truly be realized after we have encountered Him (laughs) in a knowable and tangible way. Glory. So to truly understand God's glory, we have to first come into knowledge and interact with the attributes of God, the character of God, the power of God. Can't get his glory until you encounter that which makes him glorious. It's not enough for him to just be those things, it's his desire for you and I to experience him being those things. It's not enough that he is who he is, for he desires for you and I to experience. Who he is. For if the God of this book is everything that this book says that he is, then it would be impossible to contain him in a mere historical writing. For this book speaks of his omnipresence, which moves him beyond the pages of ancient history and ushers him into the reality of this very moment right now. Ooh. For God is looking for those who would know him, seek him, desire him. And this interaction, stay with me, this interaction of mankind encountering God at that deeper level where we are coming in contact with that which is invisible to most and unknowable to many and yet we are now encountering those things for ourselves about him. This act of mankind communing with God, getting a revelation of the holy God at a dimension that's beyond the superficial and beyond that which is surface, that experience that we have with his glory, that encounter of our spirit with his spirit and that moment of true understanding as it relates to him is called worship. Ooh, worship, worship, worship. It's at that moment of sincere and pure worship when his glory is revealed unto men and in turn mankind returns the glory back to God. We get a revelation of who he is and with that revelation of who he is, we respond. Come on, somebody. We respond to this revelation. We respond to who he is. Oh, hallelujah. Worship is that moment when God is central and when God is our utmost focus and when God is the supreme motivating factor of our human response. Worship is our response to our understanding of his glory. And God says, I will not share that I'm going to share that encounter with anybody. I'll share tithes and offerings with others. I'll share his interaction of ministry with others. But when it comes to his glory and when it comes to mankind's response of worship to his glory and when it comes to the centrality and the supremeness of who he is, God is not going to share that lofty place in our lives with anybody else. I will give my glory to nobody else, he says. For as we have been taught for many in the room, our English word worship comes from two words, which are worth and ship. From this we see that we only worship what we feel has intrinsic worth. We worship that which we feel has intrinsic value to it. Worth, the worth of a thing is what we worship. So everybody on planet earth is a worshiper. Well, I'm just not a worshiper. Oh, yeah, you are. Everybody's a worshiper because everybody worships something. Everybody gives value to something. Everybody gives worth to something. For some it's money, others relationships, self, pleasure, fame, positions. It could be a hundred other things. So everybody is a worshiper because everybody sets something up in their lives as being the thing they value the most. It's because of that that we understand the fact that the whole, hear me now, the whole issue of life and living and God and the Bible and eternity and salvation and judgment and heaven and hell all has to do with worship. Because when you boil everything down, you'll find that all sin flows from perverted worship. And all salvation is the correction of the object of worship. Sin is the removal of God as the main object of our worship. And salvation and righteousness is the reinstatement of God as the object of our worship. And it is absolutely imperative that we understand that what we worship will define who we become. Our worship or lack thereof is going to determine who we are more than our upbringing will. Come on, somebody. More than our friends, more than our education, more than our financial status, more than the environment in which we live. Our worship is going to dictate the direction of our life. For those who refuse to allow his glory and the place of rulership and that place of king, kingship to be given to any other God will in turn be those who are led by, governed by the one who knows best how to order steps. Yet those who choose to worship that which is fleshly and that which is carnal and those who allow, hear me somebody, to allow their own appetites and their own ideas and their own emotions and feelings. It's just how I feel. When they allow those things to be what operates in the place of leadership and supremacy in their life, that is what becomes their God. And that is what they... Worship, And now what they feel is the most important thing And now what they think is the most important thing Why? Because it is what governs them Their actions, their direction is all brought about because not of God But because of what they feel Because of their emotions. Come on, somebody. And because those are the driving forces of their life, that is what they worship. They've set it up as being the central figure of who and what they are all about. Because more than any other thing in our lives, it'll be our worship that gives definition to who we are and what we will accomplish with our lives and we cannot be governed by his glory and our will at the same time. I know we're not running the house today but I'm trying to help somebody. Our steps cannot be ordered by carnality and his word at the same time. Our lives cannot be directed by our feelings and his commands at the same time. His glory he will not give another that place of kingship, that place of rulership in our lives, he will not give to anyone else. That which is first in our lives, he will not give or share with anybody else. He will not take back seat to nobody. He will not be second in command in anybody's life. We cannot have two gods ruling and reigning in our hearts for he's he's not going to share his glory or his power with anybody else. Or with anything else, he must be Lord of all, or he won't be Lord at all. Jesus is having a conversation with a woman in Scripture, and this woman was a Samaritan, which means she wasn't a part of the family of God at that time. Not only that, but she had already gone through five husbands, and the one she was currently living with wasn't even her husband. And look at what Jesus says to her, John chapter 4, verse 21. Jesus saith unto her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Watch what he says, verse 22. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation. The Jews Notice, here was this woman who was living a life that was contrary to God and contrary to the purpose of God. But Jesus still called her a worshiper. Say you weren't worshiping, you say you are worshiping, you are a worshiper, but the problem is you're worshiping the wrong thing. That's why Jesus would go on to say in John 4, 23, the next verse, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him, God is spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. They need to have an encounter with who He is. They need to understand Him in truth and in spirit. True worships will worship the Father. True worships will have God as the object of their worship. It will be God and God alone who is the one that is valued and esteemed highest in their lives. And that's exactly what God is calling us to reach towards and strive towards. He's calling us to ascribe to him and him alone as the one worthy to set up as king in our lives. He's asking us if we'll be willing to pull down everything else that's in our lives that's not like him, that we have put ahead of him. Jesus, help us today. Jesus, help us today. He's calling for somebody right now who's coming to church, sitting on a pew, but there's other gods in our lives. And there's other things in our lives that we that are dictating our thoughts and our processes and our thinking and our direction for our lives. People even in this room called by God to preach the word of the Lord and yet life and carnality and all kinds of stuff has got you off track and you're following a road you shouldn't be following down. Why? Because there's another God in your life. And God said, I will not share. God isn't shy. God is not intimidated to ask of us to be the ruling factor of our lives. Mark chapter 12 and verse 30, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first Not the 10th one after they got the hang of it. Not the 20th after they got to know Jesus pretty good and had a little bit of a relationship with him. No. The very first commandment is to love the Lord in such a way as to leave no room in your heart. Leave no room in your soul. Leave no room in your mind. Leave no room in your strength for anything other than Jesus Christ. He will be first in our hearts. He will be first in our souls. He will be first in our minds. He will be first in our strengths. Or else he will not be in us as God to rule and reign at all. Hezekiah well knew and understood this principle for the book says in 2 Chronicles chapter 32 And verse 12, Hath not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, You shall worship before one altar. And burn incense upon it. Every altar of worship in our lives that we have established that is contrary to God. Every altar of worship we've established to somebody else or something else or some other pursuit or some other passion or some other thing that we have put ahead of God. That thing needs to be pulled down even in this service today. That thing like Hezekiah... uh, I'm going to pull down every altar that is not of God. I'm going to pull down every place of worship where they've been worshiping something other than Jehovah God because there should be one altar we worship at, and that is the altar of God and God alone. We need to get back to a place of worship. We need to get back to a place of genuine worship where there's only one altar, and his name is Jesus, and we pull down everything else, all of our feelings and all of our emotions Emotions and all of our passions and all of our wills have been succumbed to the altar of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody worship him now. Praise him now. Come on. Woo. Come on, let God talk to us today. Verse we read a few moments ago spoke of true worshipers. Everybody say true worshipers. God is looking for, seeking for, searching for true worshipers. God, you are the most valued person in my life. God, you reign supreme in my life. There's only one throne that I worship at, oh God, and it is at your feet. And he categorizes those people as true worshipers. And I want to be a true worshiper. And yet if he categorizes certain individuals as true worshipers, then there must be a such thing as false worshipers. Mm. Because somebody can clap right alongside a true worshiper and not be worshiping at all. Somebody can be singing the songs of Zion right next to somebody else, a true worshiper that's singing the songs of Zion and the first person is not worshiping at all. They can dance, shout, run the aisles, but it's mere exercise. Because it's not worship. Because true worship is not based upon Outward actions It does not have its source In outward Manifestations or Demonstrations but true Worship happens when our hear me Our outward actions Become an outlet Our physical demonstration Becomes an Outlet Of our Estimation Of his worthiness Of our inward love, passion, desire, understanding, revelation of who he is. Then that's when running around the church becomes worship. And that's when jumping up and clapping and singing becomes worship. When it is merely an outward manifestation of an inward Or who he is but here's the thing once we have valued him everybody good today once we have valued him as the most important thing and the most esteemed thing in our lives then the word would give us insight on how we should express it Woo! because yes it, it starts here and it has to begin here and in here but it also must be demonstrated <coughs> Woo! Come on, Jesus. And one of the ways in which He asks us to demonstrate the worship within us outwardly, in a display outwardly, Psalms chapter 134 lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Woo! So we see it's a biblical thing to lift our hands in worship. In fact, not only is it biblical, but it's really a command. He didn't say if you want to. <laughs> Come on, somebody. He didn't say if you feel like it. He didn't say if your day's going good. He didn't say if everything was going well. He didn't say if money was in your pocket. He didn't say if your physical health was everything. No, he said lift your hands in the sanctuary. If you're in the sanctuary, your hands ought to be lifted. ha. <laughs> <laughs> And that's Old Testament. Now we understand we are temples of the Holy Ghost. We are a sanctuary of the Holy Ghost. So as temples and sanctuaries of his presence, our hands should be lifted in return. See, we've taught it before, but when you got your hands lifted up, what is it? It's the universal sign of surrender. What are you saying? You said, I've surrendered you to be the most central figure of my life. It's no longer what I think. It's no longer what I want. It's no longer what I want to put up as God of my life. No, worship, worship, worship is saying, God, I surrender to your will. I surrender to you taking up... The office of God in my life. I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. You are God and God alone. You are the God of my life. You are the God of everything. I worship you with hands lifted. Now, allow me to just take a segment of this to speak to an individual group of people in the room today for a moment and then we'll come back to everybody. But the book says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8, I will therefore that men pray everywhere and that men would lift up holy hands. The other verses we talked about describe the lifting up of hands and worship for everybody. But then it gets specific. Telling men, I want you to lift your hands in worship and adoration unto me. Why? Because he knows that women do a better job at expressing how they feel than what men do. For the most part, women have a better, uh, a better way of expressing what is inward outwardly, and men tend to struggle in this area. So he specifically speaks to the men in order to let them know that he desires for us as men, and I feel the Holy Ghost right now. He desires for us as men to express how we feel on the inside by the lifting up of our hands as a sign of worship. Come on. And I believe... And I have for years that this church would go to the next level of power and spiritual demonstration if our men would truly let loose. In worship. Listen, guys, don't be mad at me right now. I can see some of you. Don't be mad at me right now. I'm not saying we don't have men that worship. It's not what I'm saying at all. So lose the tune. I'm saying that if we as men would ever break out and worship outwardly like I know you feel inwardly. I'm not saying you don't feel it inward. I know you're a worshiper inwardly. You've had encounters. You know who God is. It's in here. Come on, Jesus. It's here. But he said, I want to know if men... Would get your hands in the air and begin to express outwardly that worship that you have on the inside. Come on. I believe with everything in me uh, that this church would go to the next dimension of power. Uh, I believe we would begin to see things in the spirit uh, like we've never seen before. Uh, If we could get some hands uh, of some of our men loosed uh, in worship, Let me tell you something, guys. I know we got men on security. We got men on hospitality. We got men in the back. and I know Sister Vivian does a, a fantastic job scheduling all that, making sure you're at your post and all that. But you know what I'd love to see? And I know Sister Vivian would occur or concur. You know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see some of our men that are doing some of your positions and some of your hospitality and some of your rush. I'd like to see you just break loose for a little while and run away from your position for a moment and get lost in worship and get lost in praise for a little while. I'd like to see some men in the pews. I'd like to see some men in the pews that are so reserved, but I know there's worship in you. You're not backslid. There's worship in you. You're not away from God. There's worship in you. But God's saying, I wonder if you'd express. Woo! Woo! But pastor, you know, I just, I just, it's just not what I do. That's just not who I am. Hear me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I don't care what you do right now. Do whatever you want to do. Let me tell you something. When you read the life of David, you're not going to find a more man's man than David. David would whoop every guy in the room. You hear me? I said he whoop all of us. He was a man's man he was such a warrior he was such a brave individual that the greatest warriors of his day chose to follow him you don't follow a weakling if you're a warrior you don't follow some (sighs) Uh, it'd go on YouTube and be all over everywhere Now, you, they followed him because he was a warrior. But it was that same David that we find singing and playing the harp. Listen, you, you make fun of David for playing a harp. I'm not. Go ahead and say it to his face. Watch what happens. He plays a harp. He sings unto the Lord. He danced unto the Lord with all of his might. He shouted unto the Lord. He praised the Lord. He worshiped the Lord. In fact, all throughout Scripture, you'll find powerful men of God giving praise and worship unto the Lord. Hear me, somewhere along the way, society has convinced us that all this emotional stuff and this expressive stuff is just for the ladies. I rebuke that in the name of the Lord. I'm praying for a revival of praise and worship in our men. For when it happens, uh, our church is going to experience a breakthrough uh, and a breakout uh, like we've never experienced before. I wish the men in this church right now would throw your hands in the air and give God a shout of praise. God's not going to share this with anybody God's not going to share this with anybody He's not going to share this time of worship with anybody God I'm going to put you first I'm going to elevate you as being the supreme God of my life, the ruler of my life I will lift my hands unto the hills from which cometh my help, my help cometh from the Lord and from the Lord alone I can't get it by nobody else nobody else can do for me what God can do for me, so that's why he's firm. Woo. Let me show you now. Stand sit, don't matter. Exodus 7 and 20, and Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded. And he lifted up his rod. And he smote the waters that were in the river in the side of Pharaoh and the side of his servants, and all the water that were in the river turned to blood. He lifted up his Rod, which means he had to lift up his hands. Exodus 14 and 21, and Moses stretched out his hands over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all night long and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. When he lifted his hands, things began to stir. Numbers chapter 20 and verse 11, and Moses lifted up his hands. And with his rod, he smote the rock twice, and water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank, and their beast also. Notice, the first time he lifts his hands up, water turns to blood. The second time he lifts his hands, the Red Sea is parted in two. The third time he lifts his hands, water comes pouring out of a rock. The thing I want you to see is this. Every time Moses lifted up his hands, a miracle was poured out in his midst. Now, we obviously know that we worship God simply because of who he is but we need to remember that to worship him is to connect with him on a dimension where you know who he is come on and when we have that kind of understanding of who he is it automatically releases faith See, you can praise God and still doubt he's a healer. Because praise has a lot to do with what he's done in the past. We praise him for what he has done. And we might have seen him as a healer in our yesterdays, but today's a new day. somebody. So you can praise him And still not understand and believe that he's a way maker. You can praise him but not have clear definition that he is truly Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Because you're just praising him for what he did in your yesterday. But today's a new problem and today's a new issue and today's a new need. But you can't worship him and doubt that he's a healer you can't worship him and doubt that he's Jehovah Jireh why? because worship is understanding the worth worship is understanding who he is irrespective of what I'm going through worship is an understanding in my heart i know who he is he's a healer if he never heals me again i know he's a healer if he ne- i know he's jehovah jireh i know he's my provider because i've got to a place where i've experienced his glory I got there. I got there. I've been to the place. I got revelation of who he is. I know that I know that I know. I still might not feel well, but I'm a worshiper, so I know he's a he. I don't know where the money's coming from, but I'm not going to doubt it because I'm a worshiper, and I know he's Jehovah Jireh. Nobody's gotta convince me. Nobody's gotta talk me into it. Nobody's gotta try to tell me for the 100th time that he is who he said he is. I'm a worshiper, I'm a worshiper. I know, I know, I know who he is. I know what he does, I know it. I wonder if somebody can lift your hands, give God a shout of praise, worship Him like you know who He is, worship Him like you've had an encounter with His glory. I'm not going to doubt him in the middle of the storm. I'm not going to get confused in the middle of the midnight hour. I'm a worshiper. I know who he is. I know what his power is. I know what his abilities are. I know he's been good to me. I know he's going to keep on being good to me. Looks like I'm gonna worship Him. Don't matter what it sounds like, I'm gonna worship Him. I will bless the Lord at all times. Yeah, 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 yeah. I praise You, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I magnify you, Jesus. I glorify you, Jesus. You've been better to me than I've been to myself. I worship, 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 worship. watch this, watch this Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him that phrase diligently seek him means to worship he is a rewarder of them that worship the difference between praise and worship is the reward comes first And then praise. Praise is in response to the reward we've already received. But when it comes to worship, you're just worshiping him for who he is, and the reward comes after. Is that what it says? He's a rewarder of them that worship him. So after you worship him, the reward comes so here's the difference. If you know you are just a praiser or you got real worship, do you just praise him when he does stuff for you or do you praise him for who he is? But if you'll worship him for who he is, I wanna tell you biblically, there's a reward that's gonna follow after. I wonder if anybody needs a follow after reward right now. I wonder if anybody in the house needs a touch from God right now. I wonder if anybody in the house needs God to do something for you. Why don't you go ahead and worship him? Come on, somebody lift your voice. Worship him, worship him, worship him, worship him. I'm not worshiping, so you'll do something. I'm worshiping because of who you are. I gotta say, it looks good at the altar right now it looks good at the altar right now i know everybody might not be up here that's fine but it looks good in the altar right now i worship you lord i worship you lord i worship you lord Thank you men, thank you men. Thank you for leading us in worship right now. Thank you for leading us in worship right now, guys. Go ahead, if you feel like jumping, jump. If you feel like dancing, dance. If you feel like running, run. Whatever you feel like doing, worship him.